Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We're going to conclude this series that we've called Deeper, and I want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be, be reading two verses. The first one is uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Second word, the second verse is going to be Hebrews 11.6. We're going to put a bow on this series that we have called Deeper, and I'm excited. I believe God's going to meet us here in such a powerful way. I'm just so expectant for what God is getting ready to do right now. And if this is your first time here, I want to tell you that you are so loved and you are, as always, so welcomed. But you chose a good Sunday to come to church. You chose a good Sunday to come to church. So let's read Hebrews 11:1 1 together. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. For the next few moments, I want to conclude this series with this thought, faith that is deeper. Faith that is deeper. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all the incredible things that you are doing here in this church. Thank you, God, for the incredible things that you've been doing here in this service. And now, God, we posture ourselves to hear your word. I pray, God, that every single person in this room would posture themselves like a Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, anxious to hear your word. I pray that we would block off all the noise and the distractions of life, the, the priorities of life, the things that are tugging at our attention. May we, for just a few moments, put them to the side and focus exclusively on what your word is getting ready to speak. God, I pray that as I speak, God, that your Holy Spirit would do a deep work in each and every heart. You have a way, God, of speaking the same word over the body, but speaking an individual word over every person. So I pray, God, that our hearts would be malleable to hear your word, to receive your word, and that we would also, Lord God, not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word, challenged and provoked to do something with what we've heard today. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. As we get ready to hear this thought, and you may be seated, faith that is deeper. As I've been saying, we're closing out this series, and um, this word deeper, this, this has been the word that we've really settled on for 2022, and I really believe that this is the word that God has for this house. How many of you believe God can speak a specific word for a specific house? He can. And I believe with, with everything he did in 2021, he was saying, now, Lighthouse, I want you to go deeper. I want you to go beyond the superficial. I want you to go beyond the shallow. And I want you to go into deep places together with me. And I believe that as we go deeper in him, he goes deeper in us. As we go deeper in him, he does a deeper work inside of us. Now, when I think about deeper, I have these memories of swimming as a child. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I loved the ocean as a child. Raise your hands if you just love the ocean as a child. There's so many hands, like, not raised right now, and you live in San Diego. Like, move to Pittsburgh then, okay? Like, you don't like the ocean? Just move. Get out of here, okay? No, I'm kidding. 
I don't care. How many love the ocean? How many love the ocean? Okay, thank you. And, and, you know, I started thinking about, as a child, that I would just jump into the ocean and I would just swim. And I would remember being, you know, maybe 115 pounds and getting tossed around by the waves. And, and I remember sometimes it got sketchy out there. I was a, I was a pretty good swimmer. Um, but I remember sometimes thinking, man, I better go back inside. Because, like, I know I started off like, you know, I could see my mom and now she's way over there. How did that happen, you know? And so um, I remember being out there and just being fearless as a kid. Anyone else a fearless swimmer in the ocean when you were a kid? Now, as I got older, I started swimming in the ocean a whole lot again because I started doing this thing called triathlons, and I was swimming the open water a whole bunch. But um, I, I, I got better as a swimmer, believe it or not, because I was training like crazy. And so even though, you know, I'm in my mid-30s at the time, and I'm, uh, I am swimming better than I swam before, um, but as I was out in those same oceans, I was more afraid than I was when I was a kid. I remember being 12 years old and being absolutely fearless in the water. And then I got to be older, and I was so afraid of the water. I'd be in the water, and, you know, granted, this is something that I was doing daily. And I'm, I'm sorry, not daily, weekly. At least once a week, I was out in the ocean training. And I remember being out there thinking, I should not have watched Shark Week. <laughs> I was terrified. I was like, what? Dude, I'm like swimming, and I'm like, what is that? What is that? It's, you're just out there in the waves all by yourself. And, and, and I was thinking, I didn't have that fear when I was a kid. How many know what I'm talking about? How many remember the fearlessness you had as a kid? Now, some of that is you just didn't know any better, right? So some of that is you just like, you were too young to know. It's like every time I see my kids doing something that I know they shouldn't be doing, and there's this certain fearlessness about it. I'll see my kids run from the couch to the coffee table back to the couch again. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to slip and fall and break your neck. I sound like my parents when I say that, you know. And I'll tell that to my kids. Don't do that. You're going to slip and fall and break your neck. But, but there's this fearlessness that I had. And it's no different than when someone was or someone is a brand new Christian. I don't know, for those of you that have been in the church for a while, maybe you've seen this, but how many of you can appreciate those brand new Christians whose faith is just high, high? They, they, they're the first to come to church. They will do the job that nobody wants to do at the church. You want me to stack chairs, Pastor Josh? I'll stack chairs, and they're stacking chairs and moving chairs and cleaning toilets and doing anything that the pastor wants them to do. These, these new Christians have a certain fire to them. New Christians will invite all of their friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, random person on the street, random person in the Uber car. I mean, they will invite anyone and everyone to come to church. And then it seems like the more they are in church, there's a fading of that zeal. It, it seems like there's a fading of that fire. And that's really what I want to talk to you all about when we talk about faith. Because I think some of us have been in the church so long that we've lost that fire. Some of us have been in the church so long that we've lost that zeal. Some of us have been in the church so long that we've lost that fearlessness that that new believer has. And I think we got to get back to that place because there is some power in that fearlessness. Can I get a good amen? I, I, I think there's something about a fearless Christian that this world needs. 
Not a whole lot of amens. I'll say it one more time. See, I got a better response from this side of the room over here. I think that there is something that this world needs from fearless Christians. Christians who are not afraid to boldly preach the gospel. Christians who are not afraid to boldly invite their neighbors. Christians who are not afraid to boldly pray for anyone that is sick. Christians that are not afraid to pray with anyone boldly who is hurting. I think we need more Christians like that. I think too many times, the longer we've been in church, the staler our faith grows. So I want to provoke your faith this morning. Can I do that for a little bit? Even if you don't want me to, I'm going to do it, okay? Now, now, the first thing that I want you to write down, the first thing that you need to know is that we have all, somebody say all, been given a measure of faith. We have all been given a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3 says this, for I say, though the grace, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Somebody say each one. I like what Paul is saying here. In Romans, he's, he's telling this group of Jesus followers, he's saying, hey, don't get too high-minded of yourself. Sometimes we need that good counsel, right? Sometimes we need that counsel to say, hey, take it down a notch, all right? I know you've been in church for a long time, but you ain't Jesus' first cousin, okay? Take it down just a little bit. And he says, hey, hey, don't be so high-minded. Remember, every single one of you has been given a measure of of faith. Let me give you context for this verse now. If you read here in this passage of Romans, and if you started off at the very beginning verses of chapter 12, Paul is talking about renewing your mind. What he's actually talking about is the new birth experience. And he's talking about when these people first came to follow Jesus. And he talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind, getting into your word. And then he gets to this place. So, so let's put this in context. Let's take this measure of faith and put it into context. I believe what he's talking about is that every person who has made it a decision to follow Jesus, he gives you a measure of faith. And the measure of faith that he gives you is what you need to stand out from the world. The type of faith that he gives to you is the faith that you need to renew your mind, come out from among them, and to be separate. Because that's what he's talking about in chapter 12. He's talking about coming out from everyone else. He's talking about you have a new life. He's talking about you have a new mind. And when he says that, then he says you've been given a measure of faith. And so he lets them know you have everything you need to begin to see transformation in your life. Now, that's the good news. Listen to me. When you were saved, God put just the amount of faith that you need in you to change. So you don't need to look at me and think, if I just had Pastor Josh's faith, then I could stop drinking. If I just had Pastor Josh's faith, then I'll stop cheating on my wife. If I just had Pastor Josh's faith, then I'd stop smoking and gambling and doing all these other things that I shouldn't do. No, 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 no. God's giving you everything you need to come out from this world and live the type of godly life that he's calling you to live. You don't need more faith. Can I tell you what some of you might need? You might just need some discipline. (laughs) Write this down. Change is on the other side of your discipline and not on the other side of more faith. 
Because when you have been saved, he gives you the faith that you need to come out from among them and to be separate. And so instead of saying, I just need more faith, maybe you just need to get up a little earlier and begin your day by reading your Bible. Got real quiet in the tent this morning. Maybe instead of saying, I need more faith, you need to get up in the morning and pray. Maybe instead of saying, I need more faith, maybe you should just fast once or twice a week and remind your body who's in charge. I love this because we're coming out of 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of you have enjoyed yourself during these last 21 days of prayer and fasting? It's good. I mean, I was talking to some of you. Y'all look good. You know what I'm saying? Y'all look good. Some of your shirts came in with a little more space in them. I'm like, praise God for that Daniel fast, right? We got all the junk out of our system. Some of us started leaning down. And it's good. But, but here's the thing, guys. The reason we put that at the beginning of the year is to teach you disciplines that you should keep for the rest of the year. Now, I'm not saying you got to be vegan the rest of the year, but what I am saying is maybe you ought to take some lessons learned from the last 21 days and apply that same discipline to your life. Somebody say discipline. I don't like this word, Pastor Josh, discipline. You do realize that the word disciple comes from the word discipline. And if we are to be disciples of Jesus, then we should live disciplined lives. So, so I know it might sound like I'm coming down on you. That's really not what I'm trying to do. What I am trying to tell you all, the good news is that you have the faith that you need in order to become the child of God that he's created you to become. You just might need to apply some discipline. So the good news is I don't need more of something that God's already given me. I don't need more of something in order to start living the way that God has called me to live. I don't need more faith if he gave me a faith when he saved me, enough faith, a measure of faith that's going to allow me to grow and to become more of the person that God has created me to become. Somebody say faith. faith. So did we establish that? You guys got faith. You've got to measure faith. Everyone in this room gave your life to Christ. Boom, you put faith on the inside of you. But let me expound on faith a little more. Because we're talking about faith that is deeper. Now, the Bible gives us some passages, and we, we have these places where Jesus looks at them and says, y'all got a little bit of faith. You guys remember that in the scriptures? Let, let me read to you a passage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. It says this, Jesus talking. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of Little faith. I like that. He looks at all of them and he's like, all you people with little faith. Imagine if Pastor Josh preached like that to you all. You guys would hate me. He's like, dude, that's Jack. Jesus could be savage sometimes. And he's looking out at them and he's like, y'all trust that God can take care of the ecosystem, but you somehow don't think I can take care of you. Y'all got little faith. So let me break that down. What is little faith? I put this in my notes. Little faith is going through the motions of faith. Little faith is going through the motions of faith. Just because you are around people of faith doesn't mean that you are a person of faith. You can be around people of faith. You can come to church. And every Sunday, religiously, you can clap your hands when you come to church. You can sing your songs and you can walk out of this tent without actually ever having pleased God because you went through the motions of faith. And, and, and I think that's what Jesus calls little faith. 
He, he said, you're, you're doing the things, but there's no faith in what you are doing. You're, you're, you're coming to church. I'm contextualizing it for today. You, you might even be serving on a team, but there is no real faith behind what you are doing. Let me read you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. I'll give you some more Bible for this. It says this, by faith, everybody say by faith. Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was counted as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. That's kind of crazy how he says that. It's like, this dead man still talking to us. What he was talking about was his testimony. So, so let, me, let me break this down. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, the first humans, had a couple of brothers named Cain and Abel. And before Cain killed Abel, they both would bring sacrifices to the Lord. Abel was a shepherd, and so he would bring an offering. He would, he would bring of his be the best of his flock, and he'd give God uh, that as a sacrifice. And Cain was a farmer, so he'd get the best of it. He would get, he would get some of his crops, and he would bring that to God, and he would give that to God as an offering. Now, now I'm old enough to remember learning about this in Sunday school, how many of you guys old enough where you went to Sunday school? Y'all remember when they had school before service? Sunday school. Y'all remember when they broke out the felt boards? Where are all my felt board kids at? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Everyone not raising hand, you were delivered from it. Praise God. I'm old enough to remember where they would bring out felt board Jesus, you know what I mean? Felt board Cain and felt board Abel. They'd get these little things and put them up on the felt board. And I, we, we learned about Cain and we, we learned about Abel. And I was always taught that, that Abel brought a tithe, right? He, he brought the best and that's why God received it. And Cain, he just brought some of his crops, but he didn't really bring God the, he didn't really bring God the best of his crops. He, he merely just gave God some of his crops. But when you get to Hebrews chapter 11, that's not actually what Paul says. Paul's take on the matters, and I'm not saying the other is wrong. One could be wrong, but let me give you an additional perspective. What Paul is saying has nothing to do with who brought best and who brought the rest. Paul said Abel brought his offering, and he put some faith on it. That was the difference between what Cain brought and what Abel brought. Cain went through the motions of a sacrifice, and Abel came with his sacrifice, and he brought it full of faith and God received Abel's offering because it wasn't just an offering but it was an offering that was loaded in faith I love that because Paul is teaching us that you can bring an offering to God and he won't receive it the same way as a person who brings an offering to God and they put a little faith on that offering. I mean, they didn't just come and bring a tithe and bring an offering. They didn't just come and lift their hands and went through the motions of worship, but they put a little faith on what they were singing. They, they didn't sing, uh, I'll, I'll raise a hallelujah and just go through the motions because this is what we do, but they put some faith behind behind the worship songs that they were singing. What would this church look like if we didn't show up and just did the things that we were supposed to do in a worship service? But what would happen if every time a hand went up, it went up by faith? And what would happen if every time someone clapped their hands, they clapped their hands by faith? And what would happen if every time someone called out to God, they called out to God by faith? And how would God respond to that? 
Little faith is when you show up and you check the box and you go through the motions, but a person of much faith is a person who has faith in what they are doing. Faith in knowing that this might seem like a silly song to some people, but I'm bringing God an offering of worship. This might seem like a silly prayer to some people. The doctor already spoke, so it has to be that. And this might seem like a silly prayer that I'm believing God to heal my body, but it's not silly to heaven because it's so full of faith. And I believe in the great physician and I believe that the doctor might have said one thing but God's word says another thing I read in my Bible that by his stripes I am healed so I'm putting some faith behind what I'm doing what would happen you see I've got faith when I lift my hands that something is going to change I'll say that again I've got faith That something is going to happen when I lift my hands. I've got faith when I cry out to God that something is going to break. Oh, but Pastor Josh, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Paul called this the foolishness of the gospel. Paul called this the foolishness of the good news. It's foolishness to people who don't know Jesus. But my God, if you know Jesus, you know that it's not foolishness. He's the alpha and the the omega he's the beginning and he's the end he's the guy that walked into a tomb said Lazarus get out of that grave and that dead man started walking again it ain't foolishness to me foolishness is thinking that after the doctors have spoken there's no word left that's foolishness to me I appeal to a higher authority and I appeal to the person that was here before medicine was here. I appeal to the person that was here before science was here. I appeal to the person who created all of that. And so when I speak by faith, I'm not speaking by reason of mankind because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What's foolish is showing up to the tent on a Sunday and being content to walk out of here the same way that you walked in here. To me, I think that's foolishness. If you could walk into the home of the richest person on earth, and I'm just going to give you an analogy. If you could walk into the home of the richest person on earth, and he said you can help yourself to anything in this home, and you walked out empty-handed, I'd say you're foolish. I would have looked for his biggest television in that house. Would have called Pastor Phil and said, come help me get this TV off the wall. He said anything. Not leaving here empty-handed. Makes sense in the natural, right? I'd be looking for his safe. You know, brother's got some money in there, some stocks or bonds or something. I'm finding so I'm not leaving empty-handed. And yet we'll walk into church and walk out the same way that we walked in. And then blame the worship team. They didn't sing my song. Blame the preacher. He talked about being physically healthy. It's like, (laughs) it's last Sunday. You have the opportunity to have an encounter with God Almighty. Don't be foolish and walk out of here the same way that you walked in. If you've got a need, say something. 
If you've got to, if there's something going wrong in your home, say something. If your marriage needs healing, say something. If your kids are acting crazy, say something. If you're addicted to drugs, say something. If your marriage is falling apart, say something. Because the God that can do above and beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine is here in the tent. And he's just waiting for you to say something. Why would I walk out of here the same way that I walked in when he is more than able? Someone look at your neighbor and tell them he's more than able. I don't want to walk out of here the same way that I walked in. That's showing up with little faith. When's Pastor Josh going to be done? I'm trying to catch the Chiefs game. No, no, don't go through the motions and I'll get you out of here on time. I know what time it is. I got a clock back there. You ain't going to miss the kickoff. But you could absolutely miss your miracle if your focus isn't on what God is trying to do. You absolutely could. You can walk out of here with that same busted self of yours if you don't get to a place where you say, God, I need you. And I'm not walking out of this tent until you do something for me. God, my marriage is falling apart. And I'm not leaving this place until I know that you're going to fix it for me. Don't walk out of here the same way that you walked in. That's little faith. That's why he said, you guys have faith that I'm going to take care of nature and the ecosystem, but you don't have any faith that I care about you and that I'm watching over you and that I want what's good for you and that I want good things for you. Jesus was lecturing his disciples and he said, what kind of father when his child asks for a good thing or if he asked for a loaf of bread, would he give him a serpent or a rock? It's a crazy analogy, right? Jesus would make some crazy analogies. But he did that to make the point that if you need something, ask me for it. it, it and, and if it is a need and, it is, and if it is his will for your life, he's going to do it for you. But show up and put some faith on it. It's like, I, like, I, like how, I, I like how, you know, people, I really love like learning how the young people talk, the youths talk, you know. Remember when everyone was saying put some spec on that? You guys remember that? Like some of the, some of you are like, what the heck is he talking about? He was doing so good just a minute ago. My goodness. And they're talking about put some respect on that. Say put some respect on that. And I think sometimes you got to put some faith on what you're doing. Put some genuine faith on what it is that you're doing. Put put some faith on what God would have you to do. So how do we operate in faith? So so okay, Pastor Josh, you said I got enough faith to change, absolutely. But then you also said I can have a little bit of faith. Yes, you have enough faith to change, but you can show up and have a little bit of faith when you show up. So so what do I need to do to change that? You need to start operating by faith. Now now I'm gonna teach now, okay? Get ready, because this is this is gonna mess with you, but we're gonna put it all together. So let's go to Hebrews eleven three. It says this: By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Somebody say framed. By the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not, uh, were not made of things which are visible. It's like, okay, spooky language, Paul. What are you talking about here? He's saying everything that you see was made by invisible things. Everything that you see now was made by things that are not seen. And this is how it happened. If you go all the way back to Genesis, God spoke and things were created. He just spoke. Let there be light. There was light. Okay? He, he separated the waters from above from the waters from below. Heavens and earth, 
night and day, stars in the sky, started getting real creative, started making animals, then he got really brave, and then he made Adam. So he's, he's creating all of these things, right? He's, he's speaking all of these things. And Paul uses the language that what God was doing was framing the world. Thank you, Paul, for giving us cool language. How many like cool language? I like when Paul said he framed the world. And, and, and I like that language because I think of a picture. I think of a good picture. How, how many of you know that if you've got a how many got a good family picture in your house, like one that you're proud of? I'm not talking about the, the ones you're not proud of that are still living on your phone. You're like, man, I did not comb my son's hair good that day. Or, like ones you're proud of. You got it framed. When you get really proud of what you create, what do you do? You frame it, right? You frame it. You put it on the wall. Paul says that God's framed the world. He kept saying it was good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Created night and day. He said it's good. He keeps speaking. As he's speaking, worlds are coming together. And he's framing the world. And, 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 and I like this language because when I think about a picture that we're proud of and that's now framed on our wall, before it was framed, before a print was printed, even before the family got together to strike that pose, the photographer, the creator was seeing it. They were seeing, oh, if I get the family along this backdrop right here, and if I put them here, you over here, you're, 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 you're too little. You stand here. Okay, now you go there. And th don't you just love a good photographer? And, and what are they doing? It's art, right? Like, it, it is, it's amazing. Some of y'all, it's art making you look good, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's art, you know? They're, they're just pulling it all together. Thank God for filters. And, and, and as the photographer is making it all come together, th there's a picture that they see in their head long before anyone else can appreciate the picture that's printed and framed and hung on a wall. And there's something that they see. This is the way that God created the world. Let's go to John chapter 1 verse 1. It says this. In the beginning was the word. Somebody say word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, so I was going to teach. Let me teach here. The Greek word for the word, word, still tracking with me? That was confusing there. So the Greek word for this word is logos. Somebody say logos. Y'all came to church and you're learning a little bit of Greek, okay? So logos is an idea shaped by words. I liken that to the photographer, right? There, there's, there's something that they see before it actually gets printed and framed. There's, so, so logos is an idea, more than it is language, more than it is verbal, logos is a thought. Somebody say a thought. Okay. Now, Hebrews 11.3, the word that is used for word is rhema. Somebody say rhema. Two different words for what we call word. Now, what a rhema is, a rhema is a word derived from a word. So, so. The Greek word logos is saying there was an idea, there was, an ex there was a thought that first existed. What rhema is, what we say about that thought. How many of you, there's some of you were, were, were a sermon will go out and you'll say like, pastor, when you said that thing, and I'm like, I never said that. Yo, you said, no, no, I didn't say that. I have my notes. I didn't say what you thought I said. What you heard was a rhema word. It was what the Holy Spirit was saying to you. That, that's why I always pray, God, I'm a preach, but could you speak an individual word? Because Ruthie can walk out of here with something totally different than what Richard got. Why? Because 
That's called a rhema word. The Holy Spirit is depositing in each person something different specifically for what you need. It's both a word, but one is an idea shaped by words, and rhema is a word derived from a word. So, so Paul is putting some words around this whole thing, and he was saying, okay, so God was framing the world simply by communicating his thoughts. God, God was communicating what was in his mind, and that's how this world came together. So, so what does that have to do with faith? Let me break it down. Romans 10, 17. So then faith, somebody say faith, faith. comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, so faith is going to come if you're saying, okay, Pastor Josh, I don't want to have little faith. And I know I've got a measure of faith, but I want to grow in my faith. Faith comes every time you hear the word of God. And you need to know that when God speaks to you, the primary way that God is going to speak to you is through his word. Somebody say his word. The primary way, not the Instagram reel of your favorite preacher. That should not be the primary way that you have food, all right? You need to open up your word. Again, I want to drive, drive this point home. The primary way that God is going to speak to you is not through Pastor Josh. And I love talking to you all. Some of you are like, he likes talking a whole lot, but I, I love talking to you. But I should not be the primary portion of God's word in your life. I am sauce on top of your meal, okay? I'm not the meal. This is the meal right here. Some of you content to just have the dipping sauces. You go on Instagram, ooh, Stephen Furtick, that's a good word. Oh, Michael Todd, that's a good word. Oh, Bishop Jake, that's a good word. Real Talk Kim, that's a good word. Whoever your favorite preacher is, okay? Somebody look at your name and tell them it's the sauce. It's the, it ain't the main course. You, you want God to speak to you? Open up your Bible. I know, not revelatory, not mind blown. You, you, you were wanting something deeper than all of that, but I got to take it back to the basics. I got to just stay in my Bible and let you know the primary way that God speaks to you is through your Bible. This is why you have got to open up your Bible every single day. And if you miss a day, catch up the next day. But you open up your Bible and you receive his word. Today I had to catch up. I was three days behind my Bible reading plan, but I'm all caught up today. First thing I did in the morning, even though it's a Sunday and I'm going to be preaching to y'all. Got my coffee because you got to start your morning with coffee. And then we got into our word. And I caught up on three days because I'm trying to get the word of God on the inside of me. I can't live off of what I'm preaching to you. That's the sauce. And what I'm preaching to you is your sauce. But so many of you are getting full off of sauce. I mean, it's like I've just throw some packets in front of you. You know what I mean? It's like the Chick-fil-A sauce. That's what you're, you're, you're using that as a meal. That's disgusting. That was never God's intent and plan. You've got to get in your word. And when you get into your word, faith begins to rise on the inside of you. Don't sit here and tell me, Pastor Josh, I got no faith. But then you don't read your Bible. That's why sometimes what you need is Discipline. My God, we've come full circle. It's just the, the, the discipline because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Advance that next slide for me because I need to make sure I, I, I have these, these notes in there. So before the word of God, the Bible existed, the logos existed, okay, which was the thoughts, 
the ideas and the concepts of God, okay? Before there was a written word, now we have the written word, but before there was a written word, there was God's ideas and his thoughts. And what he did then was he began to speak. He, he, he began to communicate what was here. All right, let, let, me, let, me, let me tie this thing here in just a moment. So when you are getting now these words inside of you, you are now starting to frame your world. Because the words of God, when he spoke, it framed the world. But now these words that are in this Bible will begin to frame your world. And if you are not getting that inside of you, you're allowing other things to frame your world. That's why you got to watch your news consumption. You don't want that framing your world. This is why you got to watch your social media consumption because you don't want that framing your world. This is why you have got to be careful with what celebrity or athlete or artist, what they are saying, because if it's in conflict with the word of God, you're framing your world by things that are not the things that should be framing your world. So, so the word of God frames your world. And so when you get the word of God on the inside of you, it's now going to rearrange the world that you see. It's going to start to rearrange each and everything. I have an uncle who has the gift of healing. I'm talking about like he prays for people and they get healed. And he is absolutely shameless about it. As a matter of fact, I remember one time being a teenager, a bunch of youth were hanging out. We showed up at my cousin's house. My uncle happened to be there and he noticed one young girl limping. And she was young, but she had um, crazy arthritis in her feet, which was just a, just a medical condition that she was living with. She had prayed for it many, many times, and nothing had ever happened. And my, my uncle has completely reframed his world to the word of God, and he's not afraid, and he's not embarrassed. He saw her limping, and as only he could do, he said, what's wrong with you? He said, I just got this, you know, arthritis. You want me to pray for you? And she didn't even have faith in that moment. She was like, yeah, you can pray for me. But... But her, her, her whole deal was like, I've been prayed for so many times, and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. But my uncle's got a different worldview. You know what I'm saying? The word has completely changed his framing. And I'll never forget. He said, get over here. And he lays hands on her feet. He goes down, and he lays hands on her feet. And when he's done praying for her, he's like, now walk. And she was just like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> she starts walking, and she does it, and then she's I just to stop and then she turns around and tears are just flooding her face and she's like oh my god i feel better why it's because he allowed his world to be completely reframed and he operated in a different dimension in a different capacity simply because this is what his world was framed by not, not what the news channel was saying, not what everything, everyone, not what popular culture was saying, but because his faith was changed by the words of God. And so as you get the word of God on the inside of you, it's going to change you. Write this down. Faith rises in you as his word rises in you. Faith rises in you as his word rises in you. I'm going to come to a close now. I got one more point to make that's going to bring this home. So understand this. The same faith that it takes to save you is the same faith that's going to keep you. Amen? Say that one more time. The same faith that it takes to save you is the same faith that it's going to take to keep you. 
You just have to operate in it. You just have to start using your faith. We, we, we want faith to move mountains, but we won't believe for faith to put a loaf of bread on the table at home. You, you've got to have the same degree of faith. If you want mountain-moving faith, you've got to operate daily in faith. And I'm telling you, Lighthouse Church, the more you get God's word on the inside of you, the more you're going to feel your faith rise. I know you'd like for it to happen in a more emotional experience. We'd probably like for it to happen in a service where everything is on a spiritual high. But it happens through the daily discipline of getting God's word on the inside of you. It, it, it's, it's there. It's there. Because the same words that frame the worlds are now framing your world. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to reorder your world. He wants to reorder your priorities. He wants to reorder your home. He wants to reorder your life. And he does that through his word. And so that's why Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Very simple, right? That's what Paul said. Paul's like, you, you want more faith? Get the word of God on the inside of you. Get the word of God on the inside of you. It's going to rise. And now let me come back to this. It's the last thing I'm going to say. Let me come back to this word frame because I had different ways that I was going with this word, word framed. Paul said it this way. God framed the world by his words. By his words. Anybody here live like in a community where there are track homes? You guys know what I'm talking about when I say track homes? There's like five or six designs for all the neighborhoods on your block. Maybe like the surrounding community. I'm a track home guy. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some of you, you like want a big piece of land, and you're out there with tractors and all that, and I'm just like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just built different, right? Everyone's got their thing. I'm more of a track home guy. I said it, you know? It's like, no, I, I don't need that much land. I need enough for a grill in the back, you know? We can put a little fire pit in the back. That's cool. But if I have to buy a tractor, I'm out. I, I don't need it. Some of y'all get excited with it. You're like, I'm talking to someone. He's like, we're going to start living off of the land, all this craziness. Like, Y'all going ahead and live off the land. That's just not me. It's just not me. So maybe a track home is boring for you. But for me, for my wife, for our kids, it's good enough. As it is, sometimes I struggle with the house projects. She's like, could you paint this? I'm like, ah, can we just buy it painted? Oh, it would just be nicer if you painted it. But they already come painted. Like, what's, what's the problem? Anyway. Don't look down on me, okay? I'm telling you how I am, all right? But in a track home community, like we live in this track home community, there's about five or six different, and it's like every five or six houses you see the same home. And, and the thing about it is they're all framed the same way. They're all framed. That's what makes it easy. That's the beauty of it. It's just like it's cookie cutter. Rinse and repeat. Every few houses, same frame, same design. But you know when you walk into that house, it's a completely different experience. Because what is inside the house is not the same thing. Not the same thing by any means. When you walk inside of a home, you realize it was framed the same way, but the contents inside of the home give you an entire different experience. And I was thinking about that for a second because if God's word is going to frame all of your worlds, God's word, it's framing your world. What is going to change the experience inside of your life is your faith. Because my faith doesn't look like Adrian's faith. And my faith doesn't look like Pastor Joe's faith. It was never meant to look that way. 
all of our experiences shape our faith. And so as God's word rises on the inside of us, okay, he's, he's framing our world, but, but that's not where it stops. Because just as God began to speak and things began to happen, the final element of faith is you've got to put your faith into action by speaking things. That's it. You just got to speak. When I think about that story of my uncle and the girl, he just said, I want to pray for you. Okay, you can pray for me. He spoke and it happened. And I wholeheartedly believe that the more you begin to say the things that you want to see, you'll begin to see the things. You will. I was reminiscing. I put this on social media. Um, I remember a conversation with my dad. And this is when I still lived at home. This is before I was married. And I was telling my dad how I had this desire to start a Bible college. Family, this was like 20 years ago. I've been married. It's going to be 18 years. This, this year is going to be 18 years. So this is, this is almost 20 years ago. I was still a single guy. And I was telling my dad, I want to start a Bible college. I have this desire to start a Bible college. Five years later, that dream, vision, who knows where it's at. Ten years later, still not there. Fifteen years later, hasn't happened. Oh, but we get to 20 years, and guess what? We started this past Tuesday. We started a Bible college here at Lighthouse Church. That was spoken 20 years ago because I had the faith to say the thing that I wanted to see. And some of you aren't operating in faith because you're not saying the things that you want to see. And I wonder if God is looking back and he is saying to you, you know, we can co-create your world if you will just start to speak the things that you want to see. Did you know that we could co-create your home environment if we could just begin to speak some things? When we start, let me come back to the house for a second. This is exactly what's happening in the Herrera household. My wife speaks and it happens. Put the mirror over there. Yes, ma'am. This is where the mirror goes. And move the couch. Yes, ma'am. This is where I'm moving the couch. And put that down. And she's speaking and it's being created. No, no, that's on a very practical, tangible level. But the same thing happens in the spiritual. Many of you aren't just speaking it. You're not seeing it because you're not speaking it. You think that your marriage is bound to end in divorce and you won't even open up your mouth and say before God and witnesses, I made a commitment to you in sickness and in health. Now I know all hell is breaking loose in our marriage right now, but I refuse to let this marriage end in divorce because we were meant to stay together until God comes back for the church or you or I die. But I'm just going to speak that thing because that's the thing that I want to see. But so many of you are going down without a fight. Say something. Say something that you want to see. Don't, don't come into church and walk out sick. If you're sick, say what you want to see. It's back to what we said earlier. When your faith is in action, when you're putting some faith on it, you're going to have to start saying some things that you want to see. And I'm not saying everything you say is going to come to pass. God's in charge, not you. But he does look for agreement here on earth. He does, the Bible says, he does roam the earth too. And for the, the eyes of the Lord go across the earth looking for a person that he can show himself strong in. He's looking for that person that has just enough faith to say what they want to see. To see what they want to see in their life. And he's just looking for that person that's willing to say something. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I want for you, Lighthouse Church, 
to operate in a deeper dimension of faith. I want for you, Lighthouse Church, to operate in a place where your faith is rising every single day. I want you to go deeper in your faith, Lighthouse Church. That's what I want for you. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can start this as young as you want. Get his word in you. Start to declare those things. Show up and put some faith on it. And I promise you, you will see God take you into deeper and deeper and deeper places in your life. Come on, clap your hands, Lighthouse, if you're believing for that. I want for every eye to close right now. As you're seated, would you just kind of put things to the side, purse, phone, notebook, Bible, whatever. I want you to lean in right now and start to think about what you're looking for God to see. What is it that you want God to see in your life? What is it that you want God to do in your life? Come on, I want you to just rest on that right now. What is the miracle that you need right now? What is the thing that you need from God right now? What is the thing that God needs to do in your life? What is the thing that you need for God to do? Maybe for some of you, it's a financial need. Just begin to talk to him about it. Say something right now. Say, God, my financial situation's not good, but I believe according to your word that you've never seen your righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I know you're going to supply all of my wants. I know you're going to supply all of my needs. I don't know how, but you're going to do it. I don't know when, but I trust it's going to happen. God, my marriage, it's not in a good place right now, but I'm just believing that 2022 is going to be the best year of my marriage. My spouse might not even be here with me right now, but I'm declaring right now that this is going to be my best year ever. What do you need? What do you need from God? And I want to invite us right now to stand on our feet. I want you to stand to your feet right now. What is it that you need from God? I appreciate this lady so much because she ran up here because she's already saying, I need healing right now. She wasn't even going to wait for me to make an altar call. She just got up here. Can I get some pastors? Bobby, come pray with her right now. She had a slip and she had a fall not too long ago. And just as soon as her body allowed her to, she got here to church as soon as she was able to. And this is what faith looks like, Lighthouse Church. Someone who can run up. Someone who can say, I need it like right now. Like, like, I'm not going to wait for the altar call. I'm just going to run up. Is there anyone else that needs something right now? Would you run up here right now? If there's anyone that needs something, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's your children. Come on, put some faith on it, Lighthouse Church. If you're needing something from God right now, would you run up here? I don't want you to walk out of this place the same way that you came in, but it's up to you. This is a decision that you have to make. Come on, run up here, Lighthouse. Lighthouse pastors, I want you to go start laying hands right now. Every Lighthouse pastor, I need you to come up here. And we're going to start praying right now. And we're going to believe right now in the name of Jesus for physical healing. We're going to believe right now in the name of Jesus for emotional healing. We're going to believe right now in the name of Jesus for mental healing. We're going to believe right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus name of Jesus. Come on, Lighthouse. We're putting our faith in action this right now. this message your life, I want to encourage on, you to Lighthouse. share We're this message with others. Right or now. go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.